usually I always get in trouble when, when accessing these facilities. I always get in trouble with ladies or some old people because they think that I don't have any disability because my disability is not apparent. It's just a matter of human decency. You shouldn't judge people because of their physical appearance. They may look like a person without an impairment, but actually they have. Sometimes I don't belong with the sector because I have non-apparent disability, but also I don't belong to the non-disabled sector. It's really hard for me. It's a bathroom, yes. Uh, so I really have to prove to them. I have to show my ID that I am a person with disability. I mean, why, why do I need to prove myself? For me, that's problematic. That's hassle on my part. Why do I need to do it? Especially in a public place. The very first thing a person who has a disability will check in a certain building or a certain institution is the door and the bathroom. Having a fully accessible bathroom is imperative for us to have an inclusive workplace or institution. With the door, they should use lever-type knobs so that other people with dexterity issues could use it. The, the lavatory is pretty high and I think they should be lowered so that people who are using wheelchair or little people could, act, could also use it. And also, the mirrors are pretty high. So we could see that there's one cubicle for people with disabilities. So that's providing reasonable accommodation for these people. But if we look into the concept of accessibility, then maybe we could convert all these cubicles into accessible cubicles because anyone could use these May it be person with disability or an old person or just kids. It's not just about providing one cubicle, but it's about having that universal access, which means anyone could actually use it. Using the bathroom is a very personal thing. It should be accessible because people with disabilities, they will be independent in accessing the bathroom. Again, it's a very private thing. And who would want to ask someone to be guided in a bathroom, right? So it also dignifies the person who's using that bathroom. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Small Talks, Big Moves, conversations for a more inclusive society. This podcast explores community solutions through creative research methods, and each season is focused on a specific sector. Welcome to Season 1, Creating an Inclusive Society for People with Disabilities. Hi, this is Ken. And I'm Nicole, and you just heard the inclusive blueprint of Marcos Aperiano. So that story really resonates with me because of two things. Number one, I saw this documentary on Netflix called Crip Camp. There was someone there who said that the reason why they like going to Crip Camp is because there they are able to be independent, meaning they get to do the private things on their own. So like going to the bathroom, taking their own showers. Because for what I understand is you always get this assistance that sometimes invades your privacy. And Marcus mentioned that in his story. And the second reason is this one is more of a lived experience. So my grandfather recently was hospitalized and he was wearing diapers. And I remember one time he said that he felt shy because he didn't want us to be doing those things for him because he should be the one doing that for himself. So, you know, when Marcus said that going to the bathroom is a very private thing and it dignifies a person, I really understood it on a level that makes me want to provide these spaces for them. And I definitely agree. Also, Marcus mentioned one important thing about having equal access to everyone. That when we provide modifications, not only for people with disabilities, but providing these accommodations across 
across, let's say, all of the, the toilets within a public bathroom, that we are able to include everyone, not just people with disability, but also those people who are in the geriatric population, those people that are older, our grandparents, and people who might have physical limitations as well. And I think he highlights an important point that providing access to people with disability is equal to providing access to all. So let's get to know more about our guests. Joining us in this episode is Marcos Aperiano. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Marcos. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, sure. So, hello. I am Marcus Superiano, and I am a disability advocate from the Philippines. I was born with mild cerebral palsy, and I've been an advocate for the sector for 10 years now. Now, I'm working for the Nertishar Disability Philippines Foundation as a training officer for their economic empowerment program, where we enable people with disabilities in finding meaningful employment so that they could also be economically independent. We want them to be fully productive as main contributors to the society. Can you just share for our, our audience and our listeners uh, a bit about cerebral palsy? So can you talk about it in, in as a condition and how it potentially affects a person? So cerebral palsy or CP, it's a disorder that affects muscle tone, joints, bones, or something that limits your physical movement or it limits your mobility. The exact cause actually of CP isn't known, but at some point it could be a result of abnormality during uh, of the fetus's brain during pregnancies. But also some cases would also be due to abnormal delivery when it comes to the birthing of the kid. Uh, in a nutshell, CP is something that affects your movement. And in my case, it was my left extremities that was affected. I think people should also know that the disability community is not homogenous. So we're a very heterogeneous group and our condition varies. At first, I thought that disability is really something about your physical condition or your mental well-being or your other impairment. But in the latter years, I realized that it's really the society that excludes you. It's not your body. It's not your being that makes you a disabled person. I think that's a very important point, Marcos. No? So aside from the visible uh, physical limitations that a person with disability has, it's also about the perceptions of society that um, really characterizes and grounds uh, people with disability and to some extent it limits it as well. Ken, if I may, I, I'm just curious. Is there any media content that accurately portrays someone living with disability or CP specifically? Okay, I was actually asked the same uh, question by my friend. I think it's, it's a Netflix series called Special. So it's a story about a gay person living with cerebral palsy. So that was the first time that I saw myself on TV. Like the representation of people with cerebral palsy who also are gay. So that was really fun. Like Ryan really did a good job when it comes to representing the, the, the sector. Yeah, when it comes to media, there's, there's not a lot. That's also one thing that we need to work on, like the representation in media. Yeah, for me, it's special. All right. So now uh, we would want to ask, uh, because the, the goal of inclusion, it's quite a big and it's a really ideal goal for a society uh, to have. And in order for us to achieve that is, of course, having a guiding coalition or a lot of, of people behind us to back our projects and our programs. So we were just curious, um, what are some ideas that you could share for a regular person to get involved with th this type of advocacy? 
So for me, uh, the very first thing for you to be involved in a community is that you make yourself aware of the plight of people with disabilities. You educate yourself about the struggles, read some book, read some articles. Internet is ubiquitous, so you can just Google anything about the sector so that you could have the, the, the right perception or the right knowledge about disabilities. Some people think it's just, okay, it's just a condition. But actually, what they miss is that disabilities is about the barriers that people with disabilities face in society. It is actually the barriers that disable these people. So disability is a systemic issue and we need all sectors in the society in order for us to break the barriers. In the sector, we have this slogan that says, nothing about us without us. So you can't really do something for the sector without even asking people from the sector. People with disabilities should also contribute something because they can bring something to the table. And that's what other people need as people without disability. They think that they could be saviors, you know, the, the, the mechanic complex when it comes to uh, helping people with disabilities. And I mean, charity or philanthropy is not bad, but the help shouldn't stop there. That's actually a very interesting perspective. So you mentioned that it's a spectrum. So there's no one form of help that fits all forms of disability. Am I right? So you mentioned also about charity. So I was just curious, does it often happen where good intentions you know, do not really have impact? Does that often happen? Yeah, I think also it's because there was a model before, like the medical model or the medical paradigm disability. What's happening is because of that paradigm or because of that perception that disability can be cured or people could just go to rehab centers and then they could be fixed so that they could be, uh, quote-unquote, normal in the society. So it's about fixing a person's impairment. And by doing it, they could be integrated now in the society. But going to rehab or accessing some auxiliary services, medical services, it's not a guarantee that we won't be able to experience exclusion in the society. So people should really understand disability better so that they could also know how to help these people, how to really go into inclusion rather than just charity or philanthropy. I think when you talk about um, understanding of disability, so it talks about empowering people with disability, but at the same time, it's also a compromise between those without disability because they need to do some level of accommodation. So it really works both ways. So if I'm a person without a disability, I need to become aware of the different conditions and the different context that surrounds uh, people with disability. But at the same time, if I'm a person with disability, I really need to somehow capacitate myself and to make myself um, develop in some sort. So it's either through I'm going through the, the usual medical process of like therapy, etc. Uh, but at the same time, training yourself also to the different experiences that a typical person might have. So it's really that compromise between these two groups of people to have that balance um, in order for us to really understand how disability is perceived both ways. Yeah, I agree that it's also a compromise. And now we are in a rice, supposed to be rice-based society. It's a mix of having that medical help and also removing the barriers that makes you a disabled person. No? So medical is not bad as well, but the help shouldn't stop there as well, just like charity. Right. So definitely human rights uh, or rights-based approach is the way to go. So what are your hopes and dreams? Maybe some aspirations towards the, the plight of disability? Well, it's very ambitious. Like I want for, uh, for us to really remove the barriers, but I know that it will take years and years before we fully achieve that. I mean, we've we had some achievements with the sector, but there's still a long way to go before we achieve full inclusion. In the context of Philippines, we had Magna Carta before the UN Convention and the 
rights with persons with disabilities. But still, people are really excluded in in the society that we have right now. And people with disabilities in the Philippines aren't enjoying their lives because of the, these barriers, which is so sad. Because despite having some very good policies when it comes to inclusion, we haven't achieved that implementation. For me, my aspirations would be people will be more sensitive towards the sector. And I really hope that they will educate themselves so that they'll know how to help the sector and how to support the sector. You really need to know where these people are coming from and what do they really need. So yeah, talk to people with, the, with disabilities, talk to organizations. If, if you're now participating in the movement or you're helping these people, then it's where empowerment comes in. Well, thank you so much for that, Marcos. One word that he mentions a lot in the interview are barriers. And in our daily lives, we do a lot of activities. Activities such as moving around the house, feeding or eating, and even uh, when we look at how we open doors. These are activities or tasks that may be viewed by a regular person as simple tasks, easy tasks, you can say that. And Marcus also mentioned about uh, things such as opening doors. Well, again, these are tasks that may be simple, but to people with disability who might have issues with dexterity or moving their upper extremities, these are things that could be arduous to them and they would really exert a huge amount of effort for them to do. Remember in our first episode when we talked about how being disabled is something that we will encounter at least once in our lives? I mean, we grow old every day. So this means that eventually we will also experience challenges. But these challenges, as mentioned in the interview, they are not just physical. As we encounter difficulties in growing old or based on the stories of the people we've talked to in this season, sadly, society also sometimes limits their opportunities. Or sometimes there's already an implied assumption of what people with disabilities can do. And those limitations, those assumptions, these are also barriers. So barriers isn't just referring to physical ones, but also it could mean how disability is viewed culturally. So since some barriers are cultural, it made me remember what Marcus said in the interview, that disability is a social construct. So if we in society take an effort to celebrate strengths and abilities, look at ways we can eliminate barriers, both physical and cultural, then maybe we can promote more access to education, employment, opportunities, and many, many more. I mean, does that make sense? Yes, definitely. I agree. And working with communities now, I even hear stories of people saying that people with disabilities are viewed in the community as people that are cursed or people who might have had an unfortunate life prior to what they have now. Yeah, I hear that too, which makes Marcus's point more important, that you need to seek out people with disabilities, learn about their experiences, learn about how you can help them, and it would widen your perspective, not just on disability, but on the lives of these people. And by identifying these barriers, we'd be able to identify and co-create solutions that would help us provide more meaningful impact to the community that we're helping. Definitely. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and share our page with your friends. Reaching communities help us fulfill the overall goal of this podcast. You may also write down stories and ideas that help embrace diversity and build a stronger, more inclusive society at our comment section. And of course, join us again next time for another episode here on Small Talks.